So on this Memorial Day weekend, I thought it would be good for us, as we think of this weekend, it's a day set aside to remember, to remember the price that has been paid by so many that we would enjoy the freedoms that we have. After World War II, what had formerly been called Declaration Day became known as Memorial Day, and it was a remembrance not just of those who died in the Civil War, as formerly, but for all those who have died uh, in service to our country. The leaders deemed that it was necessary and it was good to remember and never forget the price, the high price that was paid for the things that we enjoy and the freedoms that we have. And likewise, as we think about our God, he too deems it important that we remember past events as vitally important for us to remember, and it's vitally important to our spiritual welfare. We do not do well. We do not do well when we forget God and his works in creation and redemption and providence. And therefore, we find throughout Scripture a call that is given to us by our God to remember to don't, don't be forgetful. And so today, the importance and the benefits of remembering. First of all, the importance of remembering. God wants us to be a people who remember, who, like David, speak truth to ourselves concerning our God, to, to remember his blessings and to bless his name. And one of the things that God uses in the scriptures we see as we go through the Bible is he, he will use memorials. We have Memorial Day, but we also have in and throughout our country memorials. We have memorials that are set up. And years ago, uh, my siblings and I, we took my father to see the World War II uh, memorial there in Washington. And uh, they had finally gotten a memorial for World War II, and we were able to take him there. And it was a blessing to be able to see that monument that is in memory of those who served our country and who ultimately paid the, the great price of their own life for us. And we have all kinds of memorials. Well, as we think of the Bible, we find memorials as well. And these are useful to us. The usefulness of these memorials is captivated by the definition that Webster gives to a memorial. It is something that keeps remembrance alive. It is something that keeps remembrance alive of some past event, some past person. It is a means of keeping that alive in the minds of future generations. And it's important that we do that. Um, General John Logan, on May 5th, following the Civil War and after Gettysburg and the address there and all the things that happened with that war, he, he said this, Let no vandalism of greediness or neglect, no ravages of time testify to the present or to the coming generations that we have forgotten as a people the cost of a free an undivided republic. Let us never forget, he says. And so it is that God would have us to be those who remember, who do not become forgetful, 
And so spiritually, it is, God has given to his people some memorials that we see both in the Old Testament and especially in the New Testament. The first one we look at is the Exodus. Here are some examples of biblical memorials that have been given. You remember that God, with a mighty hand, had brought the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, led them through the Red Sea, provided for them in the wilderness, and then brought them into the promised land. But this is the great Old Testament redemptive event when God delivered his people out of the hand of Pharaoh with a mighty hand, brought them through the Red Sea and made them to be his people, established them as a nation. And so this is that great Old Testament event. And God doesn't want his people to forget this. And so he has given them what we refer to as the Passover. This is a day, uh, as we read here in chapter 12, and uh, in verse uh, 14, as God had given the details about how they're to remember this day, when God would redeem them by a mighty hand, you remember they would put the blood on the door, a lamb had been killed, and they would observe this Passover, they would eat bitter herbs that would remind them of their bondage in Egypt, and uh, they would have this Passover land to remind them of how they were redeemed by blood. And we read here in Exodus 12 and in verse 14, so this day shall be to you, notice this, a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast, an everlasting ordinance. So year after year after year, the people of Israel would gather together on this special day that had been set aside, and they would go through this Passover meal, and they would kill a lamb, and they would have these bitter herbs, and it would remind them of their slavery. There was this unleavened bread because they left quickly as they left Egypt. And all of this was to bring to mind what God had done in previous generations to deliver his people and to make them a nation unto himself. Chapter 13, verse 3, it says, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out. That's an important word. Remember this day. Don't forget it. In which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place, and no leavened bread shall be eaten. And on this day you're going out in the month of Abed, so this was to be kept before the Lord. And look at verse 9. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand, or excuse me, verse 8. And you shall, you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. And usually the way the Passover meal would take place as they are preparing is that the son would ask this, this important question, Father, why is this night different than any other night of the year. It was a time to remember. It was a time to rehearse these redemptive events that took place there in Egypt as God delivered his people. A second memorial that we see is in the high priest's clothing. Turn to Exodus 28. And uh, this is where Moses is giving to Aaron and his family the clothing that they are to wear. The high priest, Aaron, 
was to wear especially um, these garments that were beautiful garments. But they also are, in, in one way, it was a memorial. Because on his garments, he would have stones both on each shoulder and then 12 stones on his uh, ephod and the front. And on those 12 stones would be written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we read here in Exodus 28 in verse 12, as he is describing this clothing, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of an ephod as memorial stones for the, uh, for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders, notice this, as a memorial. Then drop down to verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place, here it is again, as a memorial before the Lord continually. Now you remember the role of a priest, the high priest, was to be the representative of God's people in the presence of God. And as he would enter into the presence of God, he would have those 12 stones reminding them of the fact that he is their representative. He's representing our tribe. He's representing us before a holy God. Don't, re- don't forget this. So this is to be a, a memorial, a remembrance for you of this very important role that the high priest plays for his people. Why do we need a high priest? Well, because we are sinful, because we are defiled, and we need someone who is able to come before a holy God and be our representative and bring an offering on our behalf. So remember this, even remember the garments of Aaron that they speak to us of the grace and the mercy of God to present to pre- provide for us such a one as this. Then there's the Jordan River crossing. Turn, if you will, to Joshua. Move ahead a little bit. Uh, After 40 years in the wilderness, the children of Israel are ready to go into the land that God has promised for them. And Joshua chapter 4, Moses has died, and now uh, Joshua is the appointed leader. And uh, God tells Joshua, I want you to take the priests there to carry the ark down into the Jordan River. And as they step into the Jordan River, the the river's going to part so that you can walk through on dry ground, just what had happened at the Red Sea. So the priests would carry the ark into the Jordan River. The waters would part. The people would cross over. But he gives instructions for 12 men, one from each of the tribes. And we read about this here in Joshua chapter 4. Verse 4, then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off 
And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So here are these men putting these large stones on their shoulder. And when they get across, they build this monument, this memorial for the next generations. And every time they would be reminded of this story or they would see those stones, it would be a reminder, again, of another redemptive act that God had done for his people. He is the one who had brought them into this land. He's the one that has given them this land. He has done this, and this is to be remembered. And when they are in the land, they could say with David in Psalm 16, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. God has done this. He's brought us into this land flowing with milk and honey. And this is to be remembered, not to be forgotten. We were slaves in Egypt, and God has brought us here into this land, and he has blessed us. He has done this. When we come to the New Testament, we find a couple of memorials there. There are others in the Old Testament. A lot of the feast days are reminders, the Feast of Tabernacles, to remind them how God had provided for them when they were in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. God provided food and water for them in the wilderness. God did that for them. And so when they would observe the Feast of Tabernacles, he would, they would be reminded of this. And, and many of these other feasts, the same. I want to look at two things in the New Testament. I love this story in Mark 14 of the unnamed woman who anointed Jesus' feet. Here is Jesus in the Passion Week, and he's about to go to the cross. And there is a man who is throwing uh, this dinner party, and Jesus is there. And a woman comes, and she lavishes on Jesus very expensive perfume and anoints Jesus with it. And she's rebuked. She's rebuked by the disciples and others. This is a waste of this costly perfume. This could have been sold to help the poor. And Jesus stands with the woman. And he says, you're going to always have the poor with you. But what this woman has done, she has anointed my body before my death and before my burial. And it seems to me this woman, out of everyone else, seems to get it. Something's happening to Jesus. He is going to die. And she takes her very costly perfume and she anoints his body with it. And Jesus says concerning this woman that she anointed my body beforehand for burial. And wherever the gospel is preached in, in the whole world, this all the, also that she has done shall be spoken of as a, a memorial of her. <laughs> today, this statement of Jesus is being fulfilled today as we read this, as we think about this. Remember what that woman did. She gave her best for this one who was going to be laying down his life for her. This is to be remembered. And when the gospel is preached, she's going to be mentioned. And it's a memorial to us. Oh, that we would be like this woman and have a heart and insight like she does to the great value of who this Jesus is. And of course, in the New Testament, we know very well, do we not, of the, the greatest memorial. It is a, a memorial meal. 
and it remembers the atoning work of Christ. And even though the word memorial is not used, the idea is certainly there. As we do on the first Sunday of each month, we gather around the Lord's table, do we not? And what did Jesus say to his disciples and for his church? I want you to take this bread, this bread that represents my body. And as you do this, as you eat this bread, do this what? In remembrance of me. This cup, this cup represents the blood of the new covenant for the remission of sins. And every time that you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. We need reminders, don't we? Because we can get so easily misguided. And the older I get, the more I need reminders. I got a list on my kitchen cabinet of three things that I need to do this week. One is to feed my neighbor's chickens. They're on vacation. So I'm a chicken keeper this week. Hopefully none of them get killed while I'm doing that. Um, And then I got a a luncheon appointment, and I can't remember what the third one is, but it's on the note. I know some of you are saying there, Pastor, you got a phone. You can do that stuff on your phone. I don't do well with phones, and some of you know that very well. So I still write out a note to myself. But anyway, we need reminders Now, when we think about reminders, we need to understand this. It's not just to remember an event or something that happened cognitively. It's to be transformative. It's not just remembering, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, there was a Passover. I I remember that. I think about that. No, it's to think in such a way that it affects how we live. How are we to live in light of those truths, of of these things that God has done, his creation and his redemptive acts and his providential dealings in our life. As we think about those things, they are to affect us. And so, secondly, this morning, the benefits of remembering. There is great advantage. There is great help to us as we remember as we think and call to mind the things that God has done for us. So these calls to remember have a good purpose. They keep remembrance alive for us. And so as we think about these things, a couple of things that I'd like to mention, as we think about God's works of creation, of redemption, of providence, of his dealings in our life in the past, we sing the hymn, O God, our help in ages past. When we think about that and rehearse that, it gives us hope for the years to come, doesn't it? And so as we remember these things, they're helpful to us. And first, the first thing is this. They preserve from the perils of forgetfulness. When we remember, it is going to guard us against the perils of becoming forgetful because we do not do well when we become forgetful, forget our God, And our minds are filled with other things. We often suffer from spiritual amnesia, don't we? And our hearts become preoccupied with other things. We forget God and his grace and his mercy. We forget the gospel. And it doesn't go well for us. 
And when we read through the book of Deuteronomy, as the children of Israel are just about ready to go into the land, the promised land, God, through Moses, gives them several warnings not to become forgetful. Don't become forgetful and forget your God. God has blessed you. He's redeemed you with a mighty arm. He's made you a nation unto himself. He's given his word to you, his judgments to you. You're going to enter into a land flowing with milk and honey, large and beautiful cities. But he says this to them in Deuteronomy 6. So it shall be that when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful, large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, When you have eaten and are full, then beware, be on your guard, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I think we could apply it to ourselves when things are going well in our life and we're Eating well, jobs going well, things are good for us. We got money in the bank, good health, whatever it may may be. God would say to us, "Beware, beware, lest you would forget your God, that you lose perspective." And they did over and over again. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've gone and hewn for themselves cisterns that hold no water. And we find ourselves in that, in that uh, same place so often. Therefore, we need to remember. And it will keep us from the perils of the, the, the heartache that comes from being forgetful. Secondly, they provoke needed spiritual realignment. We realign our tires. Some of us have to get our backs realigned. And we need realignment spiritually as well, don't we? And it's good for us to remember. That's why we read Psalm 103 today, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That is one of the best ways to get a spiritual adjustment in our life. When we know that things are not as they ought to be, we're out of sorts spiritually, just stop and do what the psalmist says here. Reflect upon who God is and his grace and his mercy to us. Remember and call to mind his benefits, his blessings. As you begin to count your blessings, naming them one by one, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Here God has blessed me. He has been gracious to me. And it will help to adjust our perspective. I've always loved Psalm 73, I found it so helpful in my own life. Psalm 73 was Asaph, you remember. He is jealous and envious of the wicked. The wicked who do not know God, who are living their life, and it seems like their life is carefree and full of 
prosperity and blessing. And he says to himself, Lord, I look at my own life and it seems that I've cleansed my hands in vain. (laughs) Doesn't seem to pay to follow the Lord. And he said, when I thought about that, it was grievous to me until I came into the temple of the Lord. When I thought to understand this, it was too painful. I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. The wicked are in a slippery place. Lord, you're going to judge them. I was so foolish and ignorant when I was thinking like that. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. My heart and my flesh will fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. The wicked are not in an enviable position. You may have a good inning, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the game. God has taken hold of me by my right hand. I belong to him. And what a change of perspective for this man as he remembers, as he goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, of his grace and mercy and kindness to him. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And what an adjustment to his way of thinking. As we remember, thirdly, see, they promote the worship of God. David, when he comes to the end of Psalm 103, as he's remembering God's character and his salvation, that he's not dealt with me according to my sins, he's not rewarded me according to my iniquities, and as he gets to the end of that, he breaks forth in doxology. No surprise, is it? Bless the Lord again. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. When we remember, when we come to the Lord's table, as we remember, we see afresh what God has done for us in Christ. And it brings us to worship him, to give glory and to give honor to him. Psalm 42, the psalmist is cast down. Oh, my soul is cast down within me. He's in a bad place. But he says, I will remember you from the land of Jordan. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Here again is the psalmist speaking to himself. Soul, why are you cast down? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. And I shall yet praise him. As he turns his eye away from himself and to his God, he sees that his God is worthy of his praise and in him is all of his hope. Letter D, they promote humility and holiness. As we remember, as we think upon God, his character and his works and his grace to us, they will promote humility and holiness. That's why it's so vitally important that we keep a right perspective. What do we have that we have not received, Paul says. And if we have received it, why would you ever brag as if you had not received it? When you come to the Lord's table and you think about what Christ has done, when you think about redemption, when you think about what God has done for us, 
doesn't make you proud and arrogant. It humbles you. God has not dealt with me according to my sins. He's been so gracious and merciful and kind to me. And so it humbles us. Everything that I have, if I'm a Christian, has come to me by the free and sovereign grace of God alone. So when Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, look at yourselves, brothers and sisters. Look at yourselves. God has chosen the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's by his doing that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to you wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And therefore, let him who boast, let him boast in the Lord. So it brings us to humility, but it also brings us to holiness. Look what God has done for us. We have been bought with a price. And therefore, let us glorify him in both body and soul, the one who has loved us so. And then lastly, as we remember God and his works, they promote faith and hope. It will stimulate faith for us. Our faith so often can waver. But as we look back over redemptive history that is recorded for us in the word of God, and we see how God has, he has delivered his people, he's cared for them every step of the way, it encourages our faith. He led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. He led them through the Jordan. We can trust him. We can rest in his promises. He is faithful. When we think about when we think about a lamb that was killed and there was a Passover and they were spared from judgment and delivered out of bondage, we see Christ, don't we? We remember that he is our Passover. He is the lamb slain for us. We think of the 12 stones that the priest carried on his shoulders on his chest. We have a great high priest who has entered into the Holy of Holies above, and he bears our name. He is there ever interceding for us. He knows us intimately and personally, and therefore we trust him. He is our hope. He is our comfort now and forever. I love Lamentations 3. Jeremiah was in a bad place, but he says this, this I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. This I recall to mind, I'm starting to think differently now. I recall this to mind, and I have hope that through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. He can be trusted. He's worthy of our trust. And as we remember who he is and what he has done, we're reminded of his promises, and we have reason to hope in him. 
all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who have been called according to his purpose. God is good, isn't he? All the time, God is good. And as we remember him and as we think of all that he's done for us, may it enliven our faith and our hope and our trust in him. Just to close with this quote from A.W. Pink. This is the context of when the children of Israel brought those 12 memorial stones and made a monument there to remember the crossing of the Jordan. He said this, We should frequently call to mind our previous experience of God's faithfulness and tender care of us. This will strengthen the spirit of thanksgiving and cause us to praise God anew. It will deepen our confidence in him to count upon him in present emergencies and trust him for future deliverances. If you're a believer today, we can together say the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places and thanks be to God. If you're here today, you're not a follower of Christ, you've never repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we point you to him today as we do every week. There's only one name under heaven whereby you can be saved, where all the promises of God for eternal life are found, and they are found in him. The call of the gospel is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And if you're here today without Christ, we point you to him. May you flee to Christ, and may you live in him. As we close this morning, I invite you to take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 493, a wonderful hymn speaking of the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. And we are able to say, indeed, that it is well with my soul. Let's stand together as we sing.